Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we quiet our hearts this morning. There are just some mornings, Lord, that things don't all work out and aren't all sorted out. And Lord, so we come, even now, feeling a bit uh, discombobulated. And Lord, if I'm feeling a bit that way this morning, I'm sure I'm not the only. But for some of us, we just got up and we barely made it. And yet, we've come to hear your voice. We've come for you to speak into our lives. More than just finding a pew to sit in, more than just meeting our friends or seeing our neighbors, more than just going through the motions. May this morning be something different today than that. May we recognize your hand in our life. As we look, Lord, at Moses and the way that he went about his life, may we recognize your hand as it works in ours. Lord, I ask that you would quiet our hearts this morning, even now. That, Lord, we would take a a good look at our faith. That we would take a good look at how we have been doing faith and be honest with ourselves, Lord, because we know that you know whether we've been going through the motions, whether we've been earnestly seeking you, whether we have committed everything to you. You know where we're at. We may be able to fool others, and sometimes we fool ourselves. But there's no fooling you. You know. You know our hearts. And so, Lord, I ask this morning as we look at your word that you would bear those hearts, help us to reflect upon where we are. Not so that we feel guilty, but rather so that we make changes. So that we leave here different than we came. Otherwise, we have had an exercise in futility. An hour of our life wasted. Lord, change our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we're in Exodus chapter 3. I'm sure a story you have heard. We're working, we're starting this morning a series called Rekindled. And as I was going through Exodus, I realized that there's a lot of references to fire in Exodus. And God uses fire in a powerful way. And so we're going to spend, I think, four weeks in Exodus looking at how God uses fire as an illustration, as a representation for his power. This morning we're going to look at Moses and the burning bush. Exodus 3, 1 through 14. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, 
And as he, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to the Horeb, the mountain of God, there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called from him, to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites and Jebusites. Now, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are opposing them, oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word as we continue to praise his name. Lord, may our lives be a reflection of that song. May we understand what you want for us. Your desire for us to follow you. As individuals, as a church, as a people. May we recognize, Lord, that we can't do it on our own. Sure, we think so, and we walk that path, and we realize that it leads to destruction, as Scripture says. Without you leading the way, we're wandering. A wandering people. We need that fire, that light, that direction. For some of us, Lord, it has been a very trying time. Because the ritual of church has taken the place of our relationship with you. And not being able to be in your house has had a, a very dire effect in our lives. And Lord, it reminds me this week 
that we have a responsibility to find relationship with you first on an individual basis. That Lord, if church on Sunday morning for an hour is the only connection we have with you, then we have missed what you have for us. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for that mindset. Not because we feel guilty, Lord. Help us to see the right way. Help us to grow and move in the right direction so that this isn't the only thing that connects us with you. That reading a verse for 20 seconds once a day isn't the only connection we have with you. You desire a relationship, a connection, an unbreakable bond. And that means we follow you. We seek you out. We desire a relationship with you. May that be our lives. May we get away from those things that are ritualistic and work on our relationship. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Children's Church. Dun, 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 dun. Good morning. You see this thing? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've preached without a PowerPoint. I apologize that I have no pictures today. And I really only have one person to blame. Verizon. How's that? (laughs) We haven't had... (laughs) Somewhere there's a person called Verizon. No, I don't know. (laughs) We have been over three days without internet. I know that sounds... Despicable, huh? (laughs) I love pictures. I'm not going to lie. I love pictures make these things in my mind. I love them. But I couldn't get them this week. Uh, I thought about drawing you a picture of sermons. I I thought about that. But I ran out of time, so here you go. This is what you get. I, I really wanted the crackling. Do you know what? Do you ever see that at Christmas? Netflix has it. It's delightful. It's crackling wood fire and it just kind of goes in the background. You'll have to put that in your mind's eye today. We're going to work a little bit different than we have in a long time. Throwback. Throwback, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Back to the 90s. (laughs) Way back. The way back machine. (laughs) So this week we're going to start a series from in Exodus um, called Rekindled. And I because I think it's really cool how God uses fire in Exodus. And I believe that he alludes in a lot of these places to the New Testament Holy Spirit, which he will unveil much later uh, in time. And so he uses this fire idea, and he introduces it to God's people as uh, in today as God himself, and next week as a, a, a... GPS in a in way, a direct, you know, given the direction. And, and we'll look at some of these passages. 
And fire is a purifier, as you know. And so there's some really cool stories in Exodus. Here's the problem with Exodus. It's bigger than I can preach in four weeks. It's like 40 chapters. So today we're already on chapter 3. And I want to encourage you that in your, uh, in your quiet time, or if you don't have quiet time, I want to encourage you to begin to have quiet time. And, and not. here's what I want you to do. I want you to just read it like you would read an article or a magazine or a book. Don't overthink it. Read it like the story that it is. The story of Exodus is, is God taking his people out of Egypt headed towards the promised land. Read it like a book. But just remember, it's, it's nonfiction, right? This happened. This is a, a, a depiction of what God did with his people when he moved them from the throes of, of the Egyptian rulers, the pharaohs who had uh, oppressed them, as our scripture says today, and he moves them in a, in a path, and we know what happens, right? And we're kind of hard on Moses uh, because he messed it up some places like we have never, right? We're kind of hard on him because he did some things that were like, and you know what happens is that Moses doesn't ever actually get to go to the promised land because he made a few mistakes. And we're kind of hard on him. The reality is we all have made some mistakes, probably as big or bigger than Moses. And so as we spend this time in Egypt, working our way towards the promised land, do you ever hear that scripture that talks about milk versus meat? Uh, Paul says, listen, I've been feeding you milk like a baby, but I really want you to dig into the meat of scripture. That's where you have an opportunity to do that in the next couple weeks. Begin to read the pieces in between the scriptures that we're doing. Next week, we're actually going to be on Exodus 13. So if you're going to read, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to not lollygag, but we know lollygagging, right? But if you really want to understand, otherwise what happens is it gets a little bit choppy, right? The sermon will be a little more choppy because you're like, okay, here today we're talking about the burning bush, and the next week we're already talking about them moving out and going, well, what happened between? So I encourage you to, to try to, to spend some time and read it that way. Don't overthink it. Don't try to decipher every word for what it is. Spend the time reading God's Word. Get an understanding of what's going on in Exodus. I know we don't spend as much time in the Old Testament, right? Because we go to the New Testament because that's where Jesus shows up. But I want you to think about, and I uh, had an Old Testament pastor a uh, teacher once who said, listen, Jesus shows up in every uh, book in the Bible. In the Old Testament as well. And the problem is we don't always look for him. So we read Genesis and we say, okay, there it says um, that we're going to create, um, he created them, all right? Or, so it was the, the three, the Trinity there. And we see that in Genesis. That's pretty easy to see. We get to Exodus and it's less likely, except that when you see that God is pointing uh, us forward, that Jesus is in Exodus and he's in every book in the Old Testament. So when you're reading, I challenge you to look for Jesus pointing forward in the Old Testament. If you didn't notice, I'm trying to encourage you to rekindle 
that fire, that flame of faith. And as we spend this, this time, you know what a bellow is? You know, when, you know when you have a nice big fire? We're having fires, right? Because we don't have anything else we can do. Uh, <laughs> so people are outside at unprecedented amounts, having bonfires and enjoying the outside. Up until last week, there were not uh, uh, any bikes at Walmart. My wife said there were three. We, we've been, we stay on a one-week check. My wife walks by this to see how many are there. This week, there were three. So we're, we must, be, must have flooded the, uh, uh, the group. So everybody who needed a bike got one already. But we're doing things outside like we've never done outside before. Mostly because we can't do anything else. And when you have a nice fire and, you, and you've stoked that fire, it's beautiful, right? And as the night comes, the, the sparks go up. And it, uh, if you've got a nice piece of dry uh, ash or oak or something, it burns a, a beautiful flame. And as that burns, you just enjoy... I don't know about you, but I can just sit there and just watch the... I, it's like mesmerizing to me. But you ever go back in the morning and see what you got? What do you got in the morning? How late you burned it. How late, yeah, how late you burned it. Well, what's usually there? Ashes, right? This gray dust, right? Nothing going on at first notice, right? When you first look at that fire, there's nothing going on. And sometimes it's already burned out. It's burned out, it's cold, Nothing going on. But sometimes, if you put your hand down there, you can feel a little warmth, can you not? And you know how far you are away from uh, another fire? Just a little bit of fuel, right? Some fuel and some, uh, a bellow, some kind of air, something to, something to pump some oxygen in there to start that flame back up. And I think sometimes our faith is the same way. And we kid ourselves if we think our faith is this big roaring fire all the time. Right? Because we can fool our, uh, others, we can fool ourselves, but we can't fool God. And sometimes we need to pump some oxygen into our faith. Sometimes our faith is waning like that fire. There's a little bit of warmth. It hasn't gone away, but it's not roaring. And so I ask you to think this morning a minute about what your faith fire looks like today. What does it look like today? And see, I could go around and ask you, and I could go around and say, well, this person's faith fire looks great, and this one's a little bit not as good, and mine's so-so, or what, you know... But here's the reality. It's between you and God. It's between you and God how your faith fire looks. Because sometimes we are good at show. We are good at making it look like we know that we're close to God when we really aren't. There are times when we can fake it. The reality is that God knows where we're at. And so I'll ask you this morning, even this very moment, to ask yourself this question. From zero to ten, where am I on my faith? If you're a ten, come see me after church. Just playing.
The reality is this. We all have opportunity to improve, do we not? So we come to this moment in time where Moses is just doing his thing. Now, if you don't know much about Moses' life, I'll help you understand. Moses' life was cut into really three 40-year sections. First 40 years is in chapter 2 of Exodus. And if you want to get a sense of what Moses did, Moses was a tough guy, right? You remember how Moses came to life? He was, uh, he was put in a little basket down the river, sunk, uh, floated down the river because all uh, Israelite men or babies uh, were killed at that time by the Egyptians, because they didn't want him to have any more men. They were afraid they were going to take over. He floats down, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and ta-da, now he's in the, now he's in the, uh, he's in the, eh, palace. palace, thank you, Ken. I could see the word. That's what happens when you turn 50, just saying. <laughs> I know there was a word. I knew I wanted it. I didn't know what it was. And so for the first 40 years, Moses is, is doing his thing. He's in the palace. You may remember that uh, at one point he recognizes that he has a responsibility to his people over his environment or the palace, and he turns uh, to do God's work, and in the process of that he makes a mistake. Um, he's frustrated. He kills someone, and then he runs. And then he spends this 40 years, he gets a wife, he settles down. He's a sheep herder uh, of sorts. And this is the 40 years that he's in right now. So now he's 80 years old. So don't anyone here has no right to tell me that God can't work after you're 80. I just, Moses' good work, his best work, the stuff that he's remembered for was from after 80 and after. So he's 80 years old, tending the sheep, just doing his thing, and all of a sudden, what's he see? A bush on fire. Probably not the first bush you ever saw on fire, right? But this one was a little bit different. It didn't burn up. That's a bit odd, is it not? Is that a bit odd to you? A bit odd to me. Obviously a bit odd to Moses. He was just doing his thing when he found this fire. Do you remember what the scripture says that he did? Yeah, almost. Not yet, though. This, let me read it to you, and I'll, uh, I'll read it to you uh, from scripture. Since I don't have it on a PowerPoint, we'll have to do it old school. So Moses thought, this is right after he saw the burning bush, I'll go over there and see this strange sight. Why this bush does not burn up. Moses recognizes, hey, there's a bush over there, but it didn't burn up, so that's pretty weird. And I think I'm going to go over there and see what's going on. And did you catch what happens when he went over there? A voice calls him. A voice calls him. That's pretty wild, huh? Back up for a second. Did you catch that Moses was a bit curious? Did you catch that he sees this strange sight, he makes an effort to go and see what's going on? It reminds me about my own spiritual curiosity. I'll ask you, what about your spiritual curiosity? 
Have you done any searching in Scripture to fully understand God in a better way? In any area, we talked a couple weeks ago about taking a piece of paper and writing what I believe and then putting some verses next to it and then digging in and spending time in God's Word trying to understand like we've never understood before what we believe about our faith. Moses is just going along doing his thing. He's 80 years old, and all of a sudden he finds this curiosity of this bush. And as he walks over there, it speaks to him. I was talking to someone this week about spiritual curiosity. And I said to them, I wish I had 30 people just like you who wanted to dig deeper in their faith who didn't assume that the pastor had it all figured out, who didn't assume that just because they heard it on a, a, something on YouTube or didn't assume just because they had read it in a, a, a devotion or anywhere else, they, that they would take and be challenged in their faith enough to dig and see what God's Word really says. And so that's my challenge for you, first of all, for your faith to be rekindled, to be curious, to find a holy curiosity, to find an opportunity to dig in God's Word and to question something in your own life. And why do I believe this? And begin to look in God's Word to find out. I want you to get hungry for God's Word. I want you to get hungry to dig in this do you realize how many verses and scriptures and passages we say, this thing is the guide to my life, and then we never open it? It is the guide to our life, but only if we dig in it. I want you to get hungry. Hungry like my new pup. I don't know if you knew last week we have a new pup. And his name is Ollie. And he's a chocolate doodle. And he lives by his stomach. I didn't realize it's been five years since we've had a pup. But he lives and dies by his stomach. Me too. <laughs> we relate really well. Hopefully you don't eat your I know. <laughs> it's nice colors though, Ken. Little doggy bones. This is how, all, this is how our day starts every morning. About five o'clock in the morning, I hear some whimpering. He's in, the kennel. he's in a kennel. He's kenneled because he's not trained yet. Get my clothes on. I, all right, here we go. Saturday morning, it was pouring rain. I was soaked. He was soaked. He has, so I, I know he wouldn't go outside if I didn't pick him up and forcibly take him outside to go to the bathroom because that's not what's important to Ollie. So we take him out, and if you we learned really quickly. If you take him out and just put him in the grass right next to it, he will go. But as soon as he goes, he turns 180, and he's right back up the stairs in, in the house. And he won't finish going to the bathroom. So we have to take him all the way to the back. Yesterday morning, we went to go for a walk, because I thought a walk would be nice for him and Abe. Abe and I start out, and Ollie gets to the edge of the grass, and he's looking around, and he's like, 
And his stomach must have growled or something. Because he literally turns around and there he goes. I'm like, Abe, we can't go for a walk because Ollie went back to the house. I get home, I get back in the house, and there's, what's Ollie doing? He has learned very quickly where the food is. Right? That's obviously the source of his life, is the food. So it's in the bifold door. It's in the closet. And he, he's the most well-behaved dog ever while he's waiting for his food. So he sits over there and he waits. And he doesn't move. He'll sit there for 15, 20 minutes because he knows at some point someone will feed him. Of course, you know how that works, right? Dump his food in and things are flying. And fast as dog can, that dog can eat food faster than any. He eats his and then he goes and pushes Abe out, try to eat his. That dog lives by his stomach. He's hungry all the time. I didn't know this, but you need to feed him four to five times a day. Not as much. Well, what happened the first day was I fed him too much one time, and he's like, not a good day. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's not good at regulating, so I guess I have to regulate him. But he's hungry, and he's always hungry. About every three hours, we start seeing him, I'm like, oh, there he is. He's back to the bifold door. He knows exactly where the food is. Boy, I wish our faith was like that. I wish I would dig and desire God like Ollie desires food. I wish I would search out God every couple hours and dig and try to find out what God wants to speak into my life. Church, we would be so much stronger as individuals, as people of God, and as a church if we would seek God like that. I'm hoping even now that talking about this is encouraging you to think about where you're at in life. You know how this service ends every week, right? It ends every week with an opportunity to come to the altar. Every week, there's an opportunity for you to come and meet with God at the altar. Sometimes people come. I think the fear is that someone might think less of me if I have to go to the altar. I want to encourage you even right now, and I have been praying all week, that God would reveal himself to you in a way that you recognize your need your need for Him. And if that takes you to the altar, great. Don't forget that unless you put yourself out there, just like Moses put himself out there and had a curiosity about why this thing was on fire, he put himself out there, and then we're going to see what, God, what happens in Moses' life because he had this curiosity. He took the time. He made the effort. He saw this burning bush and went there. The second thing that we see in this passage is what uh, Pat was talking about. He gets there, and he stands in front of this bush. He hears his name. He hears his voice. Moses, Moses, so you got to wonder what he was thinking at that moment when God is speaking to Moses. Verse 5, 
says this. Verse 5 and 6. Moses says, here I am. And God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for this, the place where you are standing is holy ground. Holy ground. And then he goes and tells them who he is. I am the God, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He recognized when he heard that voice and he took off his sandals that he was on holy ground. Where is your holy ground? Where do you go and meet with God on a regular basis? See, it's one of the things I think we get lazy with. We say, well, I talk to God every day. Are you taking and making time to meet with God? Where is your holy ground? A guy by the name of Ken Thompson, I'm sure some of you Judson people will know Ken, retired, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. He used to call Camp Judson holy ground. And I always thought that was interesting. He always made a point to remind people that when they went to Judson, that this was holy ground. And it was something special. Not because it had any special grass or any special buildings, but it was an opportunity to meet with God maybe in a different and new way. It was special. And as I was preparing this sermon, I couldn't help but think about all those this year who aren't going to be there. Who aren't going to be on that holy ground. Do you realize that some people gave up their summers to go there and counsel? Kids came and met Jesus for the very first time. That is holy ground. It's not about how much you didn't make, how much you got paid. Um, I think we figured it out one year and it was like $2.38 an hour if you counted the hours worked versus the pay to be at Camp Judson for the whole summer. It became a joke because it wasn't... The reality is this. If you weren't committed to that, you wouldn't do it because you could go to McDonald's and make better money. But those young people who were a part of that and have been a part of that, the money wasn't the issue. It was the opportunity to minister and I do feel bad. I, feel, I grieve that loss. I grieve that loss that they didn't get to do that ministry. Think about Vacation Bible School the same way. We don't get to do that ministry like we've done it. And we grieve that loss. You felt it when we didn't come to church for 10 weeks. I understand that. The community is important. But it's also reminded me that, did you realize that Moses didn't go to church for 10 weeks either? A whole lot of 10 weeks. So I'll ask you again, where is your holy ground? And maybe today is the day when you begin to make some holy ground in your life.
I can't say uh, do one, two, and three and you'll have it. But I can ask you to think about where is that moment in, d- in the day and that time when you and God can meet. When you can come together and you can share in life. Because it's not about ritual, it's about relationship. And that's important. It may be that you can only be with a small group at this point, or your immediate family, or a close friend. Maybe that means we need to learn something new and different. Not because we'll never be able to do the things we did, but rather we'll have more skills and more ways to meet with God. Maybe this is the time when you sit down with your spouse and you read a scripture together. Maybe that's something you've never done in your marriage. Maybe this is the time when you sit down with your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor or someone and share over a scripture. I don't know the answer, but I encourage you to find your holy ground. Once Moses got, was curious and got to holy ground, of course he did what Moses and probably what I, I would do and you would do as well. He heard God's voice and the first thing he thought was, wait a minute, I'm glad I heard your voice, but now you're asking me to do something. That's a shift. Moses said, all right, God, I can hear you, but wait, you want me to answer your call? You want me to do what you're telling me to do? Verse 11, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? We have a history, and it didn't go well. Who am I that I should go and do that? On what authority would I go there? heard it a million times who am i to do this ministry i wanna but i i I don't know who on what authority and i'll say to you what god says to moses and what he's saying to you this morning i will be with you god says listen i'm gonna be right beside you moses moses then has what the rest of us might do. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say, the God of, our, of your fathers sent me. And they ask me his name. What do you want me to tell them? What if they ask me who, he, who this God is? Right? What should I tell them then? God says, I am who I am. And then he says, all right, I've given you all the information. Now I want you to go and assemble the elders and start getting prepared to move. Go and do what I told you to do. I've given you the information. You know what the plan is. Now go and do it. And for the next 40 years, do you remember the 40 years in the desert? For the next 40 years, Moses leads God's people. 37 more chapters after where we're at right now. 
And there's some really powerful stories in that passage, in that Scripture. I don't know about you, but leading a million people towards the promised land sounds like a really overwhelming and logistical nightmare. And as I said, Moses doesn't do it all right. And neither would we. But he listens to God and he takes God's people towards the promised land. And that fire that's in his belly that he got from the burning bush continues with him for the rest of his life. And I don't know if you know, but, he, but Moses makes the Hall of Fame. Do you know what Hall of Fame I'm talking about? The Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame, right? Moses gets an actual paragraph, about three or four verses. Hebrews 11.27 By faith he, Moses, left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw, who, saw him who was invisible. And at the end of that Hebrews Hall of Fame, it says this, They were all commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what they had been promised. They kept looking forward to that Messiah. This morning, if you need your faith rekindled, if your flame is all but ashes, if there's no fuel left to burn, I encourage you to come to the altar. If your faith is a wreck, get over your pride. Because pride will have you in the same spot you are this next week that you are today. I'd love to pray with you. There are other people who would love to pray with you. If you don't have a faith, or you're not sure where your faith is, or if your faith has been so shaken by this mess that we have in this world that we live, it may be time to come to the altar and lay those burdens down. I appreciate my brother Dan who came up and shared his heart. He's broken. His heart is broken for the world we're living in. And I'm sure it's not only him. There are lots of us. If this morning you need to lay those burdens in front of God, if you're terrified about what's going on in this world, if you don't know what happens the day you breathe your last, I encourage you to come and allow us to pray together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are living in a, the last days. We're reminded that from when you went and ascended to when you come back, those are the last days, and we're in it. And Lord, for some, it has been very overwhelming to think about all that's going on. We fear for our kids. We fear for our grandkids, great-grandkids. We fear, Lord, of what is to come. And yet, you have called us 
to continue to follow, to listen for your voice, and to continue to move forward. Lord, you have a plan. May we understand that plan in our own life. You are a great and mighty God. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who doesn't know who you are. Anyone, Lord, who this morning needs to come and lay those burdens at your feet. Lord, I pray for any marriage that is challenged this morning, that you would place upon them an understanding that, Lord, you want to be the ruler of that marriage. Lord, we have broken relationships all over this world. May you teach us how to do relationships like you desire. In your name we pray. Amen.